may have told you before, but there was a couple that was celebrating their golden anniversary, 50 years of marriage. Everyone knew that uh, they just looked up to this family, and they were just known to be very uh, domestically tranquil. Like they were always calm in the marriage, never elevating their voice or anything, and everybody knew this. And so the newspaper came and interviewed the husbands. After 50 years, how, how does this happen? And the man said, well, that's easy. It, it goes all the way back to our honeymoon. Got married, went on our honeymoon to the Grand Canyon, and uh, started at the top of the Grand Canyon. We started to take a, a, a packing, a mule packing trip all the way down to the bottom of the canyon. So we got on our mules and started going down, and just a little bit down the way, one of the, the, the mule that the, the wife was on stumbled. And the wife just simply said, that's once. We went a little further. And that mule stumbled again. And the wife said, that's twice. Well, lo and behold, about a half mile down, almost down to the bottom, that mule stumbled again. And the lady got off that mule and took a revolver out and shot it dead right there cold. And the man started to speak up and say, that's just really cruel. And the woman kindly looked at him and said, that's once. <laughs> and the rest is history. Uh, today we're going to encounter, I got lots of jokes on this one, y'all. I got lots of jokes. Roger Dangerfield said that my wife and I were happy for 20 years and then we met. Like it goes, like there's a lot of them. Uh, you know, someone once said, marriage is when you agree to spend the rest of your life, I'm living this one, the rest of your life, sleeping in a room that's too warm beside someone who's sleeping in a room that's too cold. Like, we live that every day at my house. Someone once said, marriages are made in heaven, and so are thunder and lightning. <laughs> uh, man is incomplete until he marries. After that, he is finished. Like, I could go on. I got, I got lots of these, y'all. Lots of these. But today, uh, the passage that, that we're in... And the book of Mark is Mark chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 1. And, uh, you know, when you're teaching verse by verse through Scripture, you can't skip the hard ones. And this is a hard one. And it's hard on so many levels. It's hard just, ba just generally with the truth that's within it is, is hard. And it's difficult. But I also understand that it's hard uh, because it's deeply personal to all of us. What we're going to talk about, marriage and divorce today, it's about divorce is what it's about. That's what this passage is about. Uh, it has affected all of us in some ways. And I also understand, like many of you are like me, like this is a deep, like it hits a nerve for me because I, I come from a divorced family. And many of you come from a divorced family. Many of you in the room are divorced. Some in the room are, are in the midst of what might become a divorce. And so I realized, like, coming in, the shepherd in me, like, I, I was just thinking as we were singing that song, Faithful, and how God's been so faithful to me in so many ways. He's faithful to us in so many ways. I'm trying to contrast with that, with those of us in the room who are in the storm. And I gotta be honest, this is a tough one. This is tough stuff. I'm playing on getting emotional. But I, but I know that this is tough for us, and it's, it's specifically tough for some of us uh, that are walking through a tough journey. But here's what I love about tough stuff. That's the title of the message. I couldn't think of a cute past, you know, title for today. I just titled it Tough Stuff. That's, that's just where I landed today because it's just, just hard. It's tough. Uh, and the cool thing about tough passages 
is we learn that, that God's counsel in his scripture is sufficient. And that, that all of it is useful. That's what scripture says. That every bit of it is useful and prof- profitable for us. And so as hard as this is today, I trust that God through his spirit is going to give us what we need today. It's going to give us something life-giving as we focus on brokenness, that, that today that God would bring restoration and healing and, and whatever we're, we're needing today uh, through this passage. So we're not going to skirt this tough passage and we're not going to skirt this tough conversation. We're going to jump right in. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. So he's making this journey. And where was he before? Last week we were in Caesarea. That's his like, home base of ministry. So he left there. And he went to the region of Judea and across the Jordan. That's important. We'll get back to that in a little bit, where they went. Again, crowds of people came to him. And as was his custom, he taught them. This is what he did. That's what rabbis did. But specifically, this is what Jesus did. He came to, to teach all the things about the kingdom of God. And he was teaching and teaching and teaching. Any chance that he got, he, last week we talked about a teaching moment in the midst of the disciples misunderstanding and not being able to get things. It's like he sees the moment to, to have a teaching moment with his disciples that he is, he is loving on, he is parenting, he is discipling. And so here they are, they sit down and teach. And so verse 2, some Pharisees came and tested him. It's important, that word tested. They were testing him in this question by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And what did Moses command you? He replied. So what do you do? They ask him a question. He didn't respond with an answer. He responded with a question. Okay. And so, so he said, so what did Jesus command you? He replied, they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. They knew this. It goes back to, to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. And so he says in verse 5, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. And so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. I just want to press pause. I love Jesus' response here. And I think it's so important that we focus on that. We're going to come back to that. But like Jesus was so wise. I mean, Jesus just knew exactly what we needed today. As we wrestle today with, is, is divorce okay? That's really the question. That's really, like, is, that, is it really okay uh, for us to get a divorce. This is exactly what we needed. We're going to come back to that. Verse 10. And when they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. They're wondering the same thing that we are. Is it okay, Jesus? Like, is it really? Like, we understand the Pharisees, they're the bad guys. And like, they're asking this, but we have this on our hearts, and we got to know the answer to this. So he answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. And so I just wrote down for myself, I just wrote down one word, we. Like this is substantial for us. This is something we've got to chew on. And, and we because this is such countercultural to our day. 
But we also need to note that it was countercultural in that day as well. As much as it is for us, in so many ways, we're going to come back to some of what Jesus said about who we are and marriage and all of those things. But as much as it is for us today, it was for them. And so I want to press pause for a moment before I unpack some of this stuff about divorce because because we have to understand God's word in context. When When we try to understand scripture, context is always king. And so the hard thing about this passage is if we don't know the context, man, we can get a lot of crazy places quick. And so we're going to talk about context. I feel like today I'm doing a content dump. It's just like we got to. Sometimes I have a lot of illustrations. Sometimes I I like to kind of have some little things to kind of redirect. But honestly, today I feel like I'm like just here. And I do it trembling. Like I, I seriously do. Uh, because uh, I know what the enemy does. He wants to take what, even what God says, which is kind of what the leaders are saying. Hey, you remember that? And trying to trip Jesus up. You're trying to use the truth to, to bring like something that's bad. But, but I trust that when we just, just get it out there, that, that God, will, God will give clarity. God, God will give us insight. He will give us wisdom. Uh, so we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk a little bit about God's design for marriage. And how that's so countercultural. But I need to say this before we move on. Telling the truth about marriage is not not being inclusive. Okay? And so, so telling people God's original design and still design for marriage is not an exclusive statement. It's a loving statement. And it's being truthful. And here's the truth today. Like, everybody is welcome here. This is not an exclusive place. If you didn't know, like, when you came on, if you didn't feel like family, if you didn't feel welcome here, you didn't get who we are, because this is a place where you can feel welcome. Anybody from any path of life that believes anything is welcome here in this place. If, you, if you're not sensing that, please tell me, because you're not, you're not getting the pulse of who we are. Everyone is welcome, but the truth is everyone is subject to the truth whether they accept it or not. Like, I am too. Whether I like it or not, whether I accept it or not, the truth is truth. It always will be. And so whether we believe in it or accept it doesn't change the truth, and we're subject to it nevertheless. The second thing is this. The first is telling the truth about marriage is not not being inclusive. The second is this. We have to stop and hear the heart. So what's happening here is the religious leaders, they were so focused on the letter of the law, and they even added a bunch of laws, their own. They're so focused on the letter of the law, they over and over missed the heart of the law in the first place. And this is what Jesus is trying to do in his teaching time. He's like, you guys have missed it. It's not that you guys missed the law. You guys have missed the spirit and the heart behind the law. And so as we, as we unpack this passage, we have to look a little deeper than, than the words itself. We have to look toward the heart of God within it. And that's my prayer today. So context is king. So what is the context? So what's happening here is the religious leaders are trying to, to trap Jesus. They're asking this question in verse 2. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? That's the, that's the entrapment question. That's the question that, that, that they posed, that they knew this was a difficult one that Jesus was, was, had already answered in Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, and they knew this. And so uh, there's this, and they knew Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 1, which said, uh, it says this, suppose a man marries a woman, but she does not please him. Having discovered something wrong with her, or some versions say something indecent with her, 
uh, he writes his document of divorce. He hands it to her and sends her away from his house. Like that's in Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. And so that's what they're referring to. And so, so they know the answer to that question. And so as they wrestle with that, and as Jesus wrestles with and how he answers it, we have to understand there's two fundamental ways people were interpreting that in those days. One was what we could use today. We could use a liberal approach to that statement, or we could use a conservative approach to that statement. Um, Matthew gives one more little phrase. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? In Matthew chapter 19, verse 3, he adds for just any reason. So he gives a little bit more. Like, can, can it can for any reason? And so that falls in the line of the the, tr- the thought of that day. The, the prominent thought of that day, and what the Pharisees would have thought is, if a man, like basically, if a woman burnt her toast, not burnt the man's toast, a man could could write a certificate of divorce, and it would be perfectly lawful according to the law, Deuteronomy twenty four one, because that's something that 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 he was not pleased with. Well, he can give her a certificate of divorce and send her on her way. That's, that, that seems to me like that's so bogus, but, but that's what they were seeing in that day. And that was the most prominent. Like in that day, that's the liberal approach. They were saying, like, if a woman does anything, if she doesn't do her hair right, if she, if she uh, like, things that drive you nuts and drive me nuts, like I, at the dinner table for me, like if somebody's uh, making lots of noise with their mouth, I'll be honest, that drives me nuts. And so, like, according to law, what they were saying, for any reason, like, that doesn't please me. Like, sorry, you're out. Like, you get, you get one chance. There's no second chances here, right? Drive me nuts, so here you go. And as, as hard as that is for me to understand, we have to note that's the people Jesus was speaking to. And so, so when Jesus answers, he answers with that in mind. But then there's a, a more conservative approach which Jesus had already spoken toward, and he would speak toward, that only, only through adultery is, is licensed to give a divorce. And, and so he would have taken that, that same 24, Deuteronomy 24, chapter 1, at its most literal sense. Like if there's something significantly indecent that, that happens, like that is allowable, like divorce is allowable. So when Jesus, when Jesus said, says his response... He's speaking to a population that, that would have disagreed. And so why, why is this trapping? How, why is this trapping? Now, well, the Pharisees hoped that he would respond like they knew he would respond. They, they wanted him to have a conservative view, a very literal approach to that, like something really, really bad happened. Like this is a radical extreme exception to the norm that this happens, which wasn't the norm in that day. But, but for one, they hoped all the people around, because Jesus has all this following, and the people that were around him following were very secular, and, and even the Jews that, that were there, that they would have fallen in that more liberal approach. And so they were hoping when Jesus spoke the, the opposite about that Deuteronomy 24.1, that they would begin to leave, that he, he would lose momentum in his ministry. But also we got to realize, go back to verse 1, where did Jesus go? He went to the region of Judea. And across the Jordan, going back to that. So why is that important? Who is the leader of Judea? Y'all remember? We talked about this earlier on in the book of Mark. Who is the who is leader? Remember? King Herod? Remember what he did? Well, he was married. He had a wife. 
And he left his wife for his brother's wife and married her. Her name was Herodias. And so there was this adultery that happened. And who called them on the carpet? John the Baptist called them on the carpet. And what happened to John the Baptist? He eventually got beheaded. He got put in prison and he was beheaded. And they're hoping either one or two things happen. They're trying to trap him. Either he loses some momentum in his ministry or the same thing that happened to John the Baptist would happen to Jesus. They're like, we've got to stop this. This guy is so countercultural. He's teaching things that, that, that are not in line with what we believe. We've got we to gotta take Jesus out one or two ways. And so they're saying, let's, let's trip him up. Like, is it okay to get a divorce? That's a tough question. They're like, they knew it was a tough question. They knew it was loaded in that day. And so when the disciples leaned in and asked further in verse 11 and 12, verse 10, and Jesus answers in verse 11 and 12, when Jesus responded, he was responding to that context. He is doing so in reference in the sense of that day, which was, can we use the term easy divorce? And so the religious leaders had taken the, the, the threshold of a divorce and taken it like from here, and they had like done it from all the way down to here. Like you, if anything like gives you a license to give a divorce, Jesus is taking it. And he's saying, hey, man, it's, uh, it's, it's way up here. We've got to raise the standard for what actually it means can be allowable for divorce. He is not contradicting his own word. His own word. He's not contradicting his word. He came to fulfill the word, right? And he is even right now clarifying his own word. Remember, Jesus wrote all of that. And so he's doing that. So when encountering tough stuff with all that said, go ahead and grab your notes. There's three things. When encountering tough stuff, as we look at the spirit, the heart behind this text, the first thing we have to note, we have to check your heart. Because it's the problem. The problem wasn't the law. The law was sufficient. God's word is sufficient. The problem was hard-hearted people interpreting and perverting the law. And so verse 5, that's what he says. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. It was the hard-heartedness. Divorce didn't happen uh, because of people who were walking holy lives. They, it happened because people who were walking wayward lives and, and sinful lives. And, hey, I'm one. I'm a sinner too. And so, so that's the reality that Jesus was saying, hey, divorce, divorce wouldn't even be a reality. It wouldn't even be in the world if it weren't for sin and the hardness of our hearts. So Jesus has called them out on the carpet. He says, oh, thank you. You could use that. He called them on the carpet. And he said, check your heart. It's the problem. And this is not the first time we've said this, right? Jesus has said this over and over and over. It's not things on the outside that defile. It's just the things on the inside. Again, it's check your heart. It's the problem. It's the, the hard-hardness of, 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 of me. It's my hard-heartedness. It's the hard-hardness of, of the religious leaders and trying to misunderstand and, and misconstrue God's original design, the heart behind the law in the first place. And so let's deal with divorce just for a moment because we're talking about it, right? Can we just talk as family? If I had a chair, I'd sit down right now, okay? Let's talk about the elephant in the room. When is it okay? When is it okay uh, to get a divorce? It's never okay. It's never okay. Now let me, let me dig into that a little bit. Because if we say it's okay, it's almost as if God would condone it. 
But let's be honest today to, to all of each other. Divorce was never a part of God's plan. It's an exception to it. It's, it's in, in many ways, it is a, a concession to his original plan. Just because there are few allowances, that's the word, like, is it allowed? That's what your question is. It, is it allowed? Is it permitted? Just because there's permission doesn't mean it's okay, and it certainly does not mean it's right or good. So I, I need us to hear that. And those of us who have experienced divorce in our lives, in the cascading brokenness that that causes, we would affirm just intrinsically and practically in our own life, like, man, it has so much collateral damage. God knew this. It's not its original design. But it seems that due to the hardness of the heart, that God in his kindness... That God in His grace allowed divorce in just a few instances. Just a few. As you look at Scripture, Jesus gives one here in our passage is, is divorce, um, is adultery. He mentions adultery here. So, so they both start with A, by the way. One is adultery, gives you uh, an allowance permission for divorce. And the other is abandonment. If you were to go read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse, verse 15, it talks about, it's talking about being unequally yoked, which is not a, it's not a skin color, by the way. Back when I was a youth pastor, I knew people who, who contorted that passage to say it's like different races. Listen, that's not at all within Scripture. It's talking about being, un, being spiritually unequally yoked, like somebody who's a believer and someone who is not. And so that's what it's talking about. That's the context of here. By the way, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is also a very difficult passage. And when we talk through 1 Corinthians and walk, walk verse by verse, whoever teaches that, whether it's me or in a, in a hope group context, like we're going to have to cover that. It's, it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. But it does talk about when there's a, a, a unequal yokedness, a spiritual un, unequal yokedness in a, in a marriage of a husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. And so there's this like strange, like allowance, like if you're not on the same page spiritually, uh, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. And so, so you have adultery and you have an abandonment. I, I believe that that passage also leaves room for abuse. There's your, there's your third, if you were to put in a third. It's not real clear, but I really strongly believe that, that, that in long-term abusive situations, it's not a license. Like, it's not like we're writing licenses for marriages and licenses for divorce. That's not the heart behind it. Like, if we were to write that today, like, how many times have, has God done a license for marriage? Like, we have a marriage license, and, like, there's a marriage license or, or a divorce license. Like, we might have as many divorce licenses as we do marriages these days, right? That, that's not what we're talking about. But God loves us. He, he wants us to, to live abundant lives, and I just got to believe, according to Scripture and through the lens of the grace and love of God, like, God doesn't want us to live in misery all our life. And I can't draw the line for anybody, nor can you, unless you're that person. Only the Spirit of God, through His Word, into your heart can give you understanding in that. I'm going to be honest. And these are tough things. But so there are these few allowances in extreme circumstances. But they should be a last resort, not a first, second, third, fourth, fifth option at all. Um, so Jesus raises the bar on what they thought was when divorce was allowable. And it's in this moment when Jesus answers his question 
and he turns his focus. And this is so important. There's a huge shift. When Jesus asks a question, well, what did Moses say about it? He makes this huge shift from focus on broke, the brokenness of marriage to the beauty of marriage. That's the shift that I think we need to see today. Jesus wanted us not to focus on the mess of this world, and it is messy, let's be honest. He wanted us to focus on the majesty of God's original design for marriage. You see, they were looking, the religious leaders were looking for him to give a license to leave. But Jesus responds with a license to stay. This stirred in my heart this week. Like, what is Jesus really trying to do? Where did he go in response to the hardness of heart? The second thing in your notes, check God's plan in his word. It's the solution. Check God's plan in his word. It is the solution. So if the problem is the hardness of our hearts, and I'm guilty of that, what's the solution? Is to check God's plan in his word. And I love that's what we do. That's what we're doing. God's word is sufficient. It's so good. It's so life-giving. It's abundant for us. And even in the hard stuff, man, it's so useful for us. Psalm 19 says in verse 7, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. So Jesus' responded. just goes back to what did, what did, what did we already say? What, what, what did I already say? What, what did Moses say? What did the law say? What does God's word say about what you're talking about? So where the enemy would want us to spend our time focusing on the brokenness of the world, Jesus leads his disciples and all of those listening to focus on the beauty, not the mess, but the majesty, not the, not the sickness, but the sacredness of God's invention called marriage. These days, it's almost as if people think that man created marriage. And that's what leads to all kind of bad places. Listen, we did not, I did not my idea. It wasn't man's idea. This is God's idea. So Jesus effectively turns a, di- a divorce sermon into a marriage sermon here. That's his heart. So I have to say this, in the midst of so much brokenness, and I've seen it in my life, You probably have experienced it in your life. Maybe you're experiencing it right now, the brokenness of divorce and the brokenness of marriage. I want to say this in light of what Jesus says. His response to verses 5 to 7 is God's original design. I want to say this. Marriage is a gift. If you look at what the world says today, like why in the world would you want to get married? Like less and less people are getting married, just live together, cohabitate. Like why in the world, if it's that hard, like why would I want to get married? So I have to say to, to us, according to God's word, it's God's original design for marriage is that marriage is a gift. It is designed to complete us, not deplete us. In this world that we live in, they would say, like, ah, oh, it's an option. And, man, it's so hard. And Roger, Dan- Roger Daniel took off 20 years, and now we finally get All of those things. Like, I-, I had a whole list of them. I can give you a whole bunch of them. Because that's what the world thinks. And then Jesus goes back and says, but at the beginning of creation, verse 6, God made them male and female, and for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. 
And therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Like, like marriage was created because one was empty, not quite complete. And so God created marriage so that we can be complete and fulfilled. And so I have to say this in response. Those of you who are in broken situations, your spouse is not your enemy. We have to name the enemy, but your spouse is not the enemy. Now, the, what the hurt that your spouse has done because of the influence of the enemy, his name is Satan, like those are over time, like man, if it's long term, those are hard to separate, but that person is not your enemy, the enemy is your enemy. And, and that's, that's who is at work. He, he's telling the Pharisees, he's trying to get them to trip Jesus up and trying to have his way, and he's trying to have his way even right now in this room. And so while we're talking about marriage, can I give you some things that, that these are hard truths, but they're really clear, as Jesus says, here's the original design in our passage. Here's some things about marriage. Marriage is hard. Marriage is hard. Divorce is not only true because of brokenness, it's, because, it's just because our own selfishness, our own brokenness makes marriage really hard. But the best things in life are hard, right? Just name it. Whatever, whatever those are, the best things in life are hard. And Jesus is very clear. Marriage is to be monogam- monogamous, one man, one woman, and male and female. You just can't get past this. Like, you can't, we can't beat around the bush, right? Like, marriage is to be, be between a man and a woman. The world would say, hey, as if this is our convention, like our invention, like, hey, it's whatever we want to identify. Listen, that's not our right. We didn't create it. We can't re-identify it. I know that's tough, but this is just true. And I say that in all love and grace. Uh, the third thing is marriage is primary. And this idea that, that a man will, will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife. There is a moment when you are married when only God alone is more important to you than, than your spouse. But when we get that mixed up, that, that's the enemy. He loves for us to, to make our, our parents more important than our spouse or our kids more important than our spouse. And, and when you, we get that out of alignment, we're not aligning with God's original plan. Listen, like our, our marriage has got to be primary in our life, more important than anything else other than your walk with Jesus Christ. Like, it's got to be number one, and that's so important. Like, we have to leave that, and that's good. Listen, we still got to honor our family. We still got to be connected to our family. That's God's gift to us, right? But, but they're never being more important, and so we got to check that in our lives. Uh, the fourth is marriage is intimate unity, that idea of one flesh. We're not separate. We are one flesh. Someone once said marriage is when a man and woman becomes as one. The trouble starts when they try to decide which one. But oneness in marriage, I got lots of one-liners. Oneness in marriage refers, what does that mean? It it refers to when two whole lives unite together emotionally, intellectually, financially, sexually, spiritually, and in every other way. There is no us, like no I. There is only ours and us. Marriage is intimate unity. But the fifth thing is marriage is fundamentally about lifelong commitment. It's permanent. It's to be a lifelong commitment, not based on wavering emotions or feelings. And so this is so key today in our fast food culture. It's not something we can like just waver on. It's based on not an not a emotional, what we would say, love. It's a commitment to, 
to that person. And that's the kind of love that God designed for us. And so check God's plan in his word. It's the solution. So yes, there are exceptions. And yes, that's the grace of God that gives us allowances uh, because of the brokenness in the world. But I want you to focus last. Check Jesus' accessibility. He listens. I love I love, always love the way Jesus responds. He gets frustrated many times with his disciples, and they have lots of questions. They're having a difficult time understanding. But when it comes to tough stuff, we got to get from this passage that Jesus listens to us. We can go to him, and he listens. So verse 10, when they were in the house again, the disciples began to ask this question, like, hey, what is it? Is it really okay to divorce? And Jesus clarifies he listens and he responds with grace and with truth. So I love even today we've done that. Like we have gone to Jesus and said, like, is it really okay to get a divorce? And what does your word say? And what is the truth that we need for today? Why can't we do that? Because Jesus listens. He listens to us. Even in the toughest stuff, maybe especially in the toughest stuff, he listens. So some closing thoughts today. God desires your marriage, my marriage, to be permanent. But because of the hardness of heart, God has given allowance for divorce and remarriage. God takes your second thing. God takes your marriage and divorce very seriously, and so should you. The third thing, God wants you to, to, to make your marriage a primary commitment in your life. Like, is it really, really, really primary above all things in your life except God himself. We should be uh, defined as a people who stay first, not leave first. And today, if you are struggling in your marriage, don't isolate yourself. Like We are here. I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm a spiritual counselor. I don't pretend to be a marriage counselor, but, but I do make this commitment to you. I will listen, and I will pray for you. Like, I really will. Like My, my office is open. And, and, and that's what I do. And so if you're struggling, let's, let's walk this together because not a one of us have a perfect marriage. Not a one of us. We're all pieces of work in progress when it comes to this thing, marriage. So we're walking. We're getting better together. We're learning uh, together. And by the way, there is a marriage retreat coming up. Blake, do we have any details about that? Like in order to enrich your marriage, what are those details? Do you have those? Okay. Now, I would encourage you guys, in the spirit of what Jesus is teaching us today, to find every way to, to bolster, to improve, to grow in your marriage relationship. Because it's just like any other relationship. If you're not going tr growing toward that person, you are growing away from them. And I have to say this, I take away for today. Divorce does not mean, if you are divorced and you are in the room, divorce does not mean that you were tainted, nor are you a failure. Because we are, thank God, none of us are defined by what we've done. We are defined by who Jesus says we are. And I have to hear that today. 
We all need to hear that today. In spite of who we are, God loves us as we are. And we are who he says we are, not who we say we are. We are who he says we are, not who the world says we are. And my last thing, if you are divorced today, let me encourage you, as many even in the room have, have talked to me about, finding ways to, to, to use that experience for the benefit of God's kingdom. Find ways to do that. God's word says over and over that he's in the business of making beauty from ashes. And some of you look, look at your life and look at the past like, man, that was, a, that was a dumpster fire. Or that is a dumpster fire. But beauty from ashes, my friends. Take that, take that experience. For me, it's taking that experience of walking through divorce so many years ago. Like, I've got to think intentionally, how can I use that experience that God in his wisdom allowed to happen in my life? I've got to use that to, to invest and pour into, find ways to help those who are dealing with it. There's some, someone who has experienced divorce recently and uh, is, is thinking about starting a divorce care group at our church. If you are walking through a divorce, about to, or walk, just have gone through a divorce, and you would like to be a part of a support group, would you? We don't have a thing on the connection card, but would you just uh, go ahead and fill out your connection card, put your name on there? Would you just put a big D on it somewhere for divorce? I mean, don't have a little thing to, on the next steps to indicate today, but just put a D on there. Really want to know, like if. if if, if you would benefit, if you'd be willing to, to gather with some other like-minded, like men with men, women with women that have dealt with or are dealing with divorce, I think this would be an outstanding opportunity to, to as iron sharpens iron, like really encourage one another and pray for one another. I want to close uh, today by doing what Jesus did. Focus on the beauty of who God is not the brokenness that the enemy has brought. Can we leave today focusing on realizing the great gift of marriage, the great gift of kids, the great gift of community of the church that we are experiencing right now even in this room, the great gift of all the life that he gives us. I hope today that, that we leave celebrating the sacred things in our life. It's that old it's that old uh, hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one. Even in the midst of the storm, even the hardest storm, God is good. And we can see the sacred things. And we can celebrate the accessibility of Jesus Christ to us. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, this is such a, a weighty thing that, that, we, uh, that we are even right now wrestling with. God, would your spirit give us understanding how to clearly understand your heart behind absolute truth that we have talked about today. God, would your spirit give us what you want us to do with it, not to be just hearers of your word, but to be doers of your word. God, for those who are hurting, God, I pray for healing. Just name I pray.